in the back, but you can go or you can go back to your seat. So the children are moving in the back. That's an extra special blessing today, isn't it? To see some children again. We love love the children, and it's very appropriate because the message today is touching the Father's heart, and it's talking. We're talking about children, and we're going to start in Mark chapter ten, verses thirteen through sixteen. So you read along with me. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms put his hands on them, and bless them. I heard a minister one time make the point on that scripture that we're to be childlike, not childish. You understand the difference to have a childlike faith and to trust what the Father says, but we don't want to act childishly. We are on the threshold of restarting the Team Kid ministry. It's been a Long time waiting. We don't understand why we've delayed, what's kept us from doing that, and we're, we're stepping out in faith that we can go ahead and take care of things. We do have procedures in place to make it as safe as possible, but we want to get ahead. We want to move ahead with the, with the ministry again and get started. And you're well aware, you're more aware of the Team Kid ministry and program than I am. It's uh, I'm Since I'm fairly new here still, and we hadn't really done it since I've been here, I'm going to get to learn. I'll be here on Wednesday nights enjoying and taking part, seeing a part of that. So the process to you is familiar and straightforward. The children come here Wednesday evening. They're taught a lesson. They do some crafts. They sing some songs. I know in the past you fed them. An hour later, they return to their homes, hopefully with some truths of God embedded in their hearts. Years ago, I was administrator for childcare, and on Wednesdays, we would have a children's time, and I would get to read stories to the children, and we would do some different songs. And one of the parents came and one day and told the director that uh, her son, was in the car one day, and it was a stormy day. And the, the, as they drive along in this thundering and lightning, the child, you be still. Parent, what? Every so often, the child called, be still. So finally, what are you talking about? What are you doing? He said, well, Mr. West told us a story how Jesus commanded the storms and the waves to be still. And so he was taking that to heart. They hear a lot of times when they're playing, you may not feel like they're taking it in, but they are sponges and they do receive it. And so it is a very popular thing. At the end of that hour, they go home with uh, having had a good time. Again, hopefully some truths. And the workers go home 
a little tired, a little frazzled, but hopefully feeling good for having been a part of ministry to the children. I know you're proud of the ministry. And I was asking Susan Wilhite, I, I call her Pistol. I don't know if anybody's heard me do that. Sir. That's my nickname for her, Pistol. And uh, the other one's QQ. That stands for Quiet Quiver. And that's because I'll do them backwards. Susan Mullins, a lot of times, we'll be talking about doing some some activity, and so I'll go to someone and say, hey, have you thought about it? Say, yeah, Susan talked to me about that. Or I'll go talk to this one. Yeah, Susan was asking me about it. I mean, she just kind of quietly is, is there doing the work. Susan Wilhite, she's direct to the point and always hits her mark. She just, bam, you need something done, she pulls out that six-shooter and takes care of it. So she's pistol, and the other one is quiet quiver or cuckoo. I had to do something. I, I two Susans in the office. We tried middle names, and that didn't work for some reason. I forget now. And then when my wife comes, there's three of them. So I had to come up with something. You know my nickname? I'm Shotgun. That's called I just blow everybody away. So that's that's our that's your office. But are proud of the ministry. And I asked Susan if she knew when it started or when and if she could look it up. So she's been busy uh, going to the books, looking back and found uh, a book back in 1997, I guess is the earliest recording you found where they're mentioning about budgeting for Team Kid. That, so that makes this year 25 years of Team Kid at Campbellsburg Baptist Church. And I've been told it was born of a, of a burden for the children in the community, that there wasn't much for them. And so our church thought, uh, the ones that brought this up, of we could do Team Kid and let the children come here and have an evening of activities and learning about God. And so it's continued for that long. And that's, that's wonderful, 25 years of kids in discipleship. We can have joy knowing that ministering to the children through the team kid, that our Heavenly Father is happy. In our opening scripture today, we read how Jesus got indignant. Don't think of Jesus as being indignant, but it says he got indignant about the disciples saying, don't let the children bother him, because Jesus wanted them to know him, wanted them to be able to come to him, and, and he brought them to him and he let him sit on his lap and he did touch them and I'm sure that in his way he prayed for them whether it was bow your head and go through the motions like we do or just speak to the Father directly. Lord bless this one. Jesus loved those children. And in Matthew chapter 18 we have another scripture and I, I put in the, the, on the screen verse 6, but I want to start at verse 1. It gives that backstory I often talk about. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and let him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But 
If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow. Jesus could get kind of direct and harsh, couldn't he? He didn't stand for people causing others to stumble, and especially as a child. And Jesus saying, it would be better for you to be drowned with a millstone around your neck. In other words, no chance of coming up than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So we can take it then that Jesus is serious about children. Very serious. And he would want us to take that same seriousness. There's a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 6. You're familiar with it. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. A promise in Scripture. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And it's very important, that word train. Train is a little different than teaching. We can teach somebody, giving them facts, giving them information, but training takes regular usage of that knowledge. Someone could teach me, Cuckoo could teach me how to shoot an arrow. She could say, you hold it this way, you point it that way, you let go of it, you don't let it slap your arm. And I'd go out there and I'd make a mess of it, I'm sure. But if I went out there and she coached me through it and let me get some practice, eventually I'd probably actually hit the target and get it on there. It takes training, and that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about just a quick word to them. Training is that ongoing exercise of showing them how to do something. A person, when you're learning an instrument, you have to understand music notation. You have to know the clefs that are on the on the sheet. You have to know what your F-A-C-E and all cows eat grass and every good boy does fine to name your notes and those kind of things. And when you're playing, you look at it kind of haltingly and you'll look and say, okay, that's a C, C, uh, G, G, and you start doing that. But in order to be good on your instrument, whether it's a piano, guitar, or clarinet, as Julie plays, again, you have to practice, and the part of the practice is your body learning just how to do it. When it sees that symbol on the page, it knows to do this, because when you're playing a, a piece in a in a performance, you haven't got time to do all that interpretation. You have to train your body to just do it. And so that's the way training is. Playing music is a psychomotor skill so that when you again see it, your body just does it. And so it is in life. When challenges occur, there isn't time always, very rarely, to stop and say, okay, let me see, what does God say about this? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, and read it. Or to sit down necessarily and pray, take time in prayer. We have to develop a walk with God that we are so familiar with his word 
and so in tune with him and walking that when we are faced with a challenge, we know what the Father would say for us to do. We act accordingly. And that's one reason why the, the psalmist has said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's one of the power and the, the benefits of memorizing scripture and reading it so much so that when a challenge comes up, when an issue comes up, we know the Father's mind. We know him so well, we don't have to ask, God, what would you have me do? We just know to do it because we have been trained in the word. However, in a 20 to 30 minute lesson, one evening a week, if that is the extent of what we do, we're not fulfilling Matthew or Proverbs 22.6. You cannot train somebody in something in 20 or 30 minutes time, one time a week. Maybe over the course of time, repeating it, it'll start sinking in. And so if we think that that is sufficient, we're kind of fooling ourselves. We know that Team Kid reaches into the homes of the children because they talk about what they've learned with Mr. Joel, Mr. Lewis, or Miss Susan, or Miss Julie. We know that it has an impact on the whole family. I've, since I've been here, I've heard stories of, of men who considered themselves atheists who now are open to God and listening to him and, and even come to church occasionally uh, so God is making an inroad, and it's through their children coming home, telling stories about what they have learned about God. So they, they are taking it in, but we want to get that deeper. And in that, if we stop at Wednesday, we not only miss the mark with the children, we miss the mark with the family. And this community, this state, this nation, the world, and you may think I'm exaggerating by saying that it could impact the world, but not really because those children, even the ones that went back today, we have no idea what they may choose to do in life. They may become a senator, a congressman, they may become president, they may become a famous scientist that finds the cure to a disease. There's no telling what they become. They may stay here in our community and be a mom and dad here, raising other children and impacting this community as they live for God. So it is vitally important, the work that we do in training them about God. And, and as we look at things, as we look at moving forward, I often think about how to encourage, challenge you on moving forward and I've, I've thought I don't want to talk about changing things. Change is that ugly six-letter word most of us don't like to hear. And it's not so much changing, but adding to. Taking what is working, taking what has been effective, and doing it a little better, a little deeper. And so it is my encouragement and my desire that, again, as we're receiving these children into our building, and we're taking that opportunity to tell them about Jesus Christ, that we as a church would carry that further and take it deeper and work to reach into the families 
to make a greater impact for God. And I want to share with you some ways that we can do that. And certainly any time when you're talking about discipleship or mission, prayer is at the head of the list. But sometimes we short shrift prayer and we'll say, I'll pray for that. And, and it's not that we're lying, but we don't really get down and specifically pray or take time. We just kind of have a prayerful attitude about it. And that, there's some benefit to there. But James taught us the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Effectual fervent prayer is an intentional activity. It is specific. And we need to be specific in our prayers. If you just pray a general prayer, Lord bless them, how do you know if it's answered? How do you know if God has done that? God blesses us really every day. If you get up and breathe and you were able to be ambulatory and walk into church, you've been blessed today. So that happens. But if you go down and, and you're praying, Lord, speak to their heart. Make yourself known to them that they may accept Christ as their, your, their Savior and let you be the Lord. Or praying for a specific need. Prayer needs to be specific. It needs to be intentional. And we need to undergird. We need you, even if you're not actively involved in Team Kid on Wednesday night, we need your effective, fervent prayer for the program for each of those children. In fact, one of the things that I uh, will be encouraging Julie to put together once she has it is a list of the children and then I would love for all of our church members to take that list and to spend specific time each week praying for each child and each family that God would work a, a miracle in their lives that would reveal himself to them and to multiply that through the family. And especially those who can on Wednesday night while we're having the program praying for safety, for no accidents, for no for the for the enemy, Satan, not to get in and mess things up. So we need very specific prayer. And I want to again encourage us to develop that list so that you can pray specifically by name. And I hope that you'll do that. We need to go beyond Wednesday night activities, however. We need to actively work to encourage church attendance on Sunday. Church attendance is a valuable uh, act in all of our lives. Yes, we can worship God anywhere. I, I know that mantra. It is true. You can do it on a boat on Taylorsville Lake. You can do it out in a deer stand. You can worship God wherever you are, whatever you're doing. But there is a benefit to gathering with like-minded believers, supporting each other, encouraging each other in joy and in sharing burdens. And the Bible tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some have the habit of doing. We need, we are a social creature. We need that connection. And it, it's joyous to me to come into the house and to hear the singing and to 
see the children and to hear their comments and trying to engage. And you need that too. So we want to build this up in our worship. We want to increase uh, our work here. And I'm gonna, I need to move on or you'll be here all day. And you'll quit listening to me. Part of that is we need to make our facility as conducive as we can and as attractive as we can. You're used to the building, you walk in, yes, you don't like the cracks, but it's your church and you are willing to be patient. You've been patient for a long time. I have survey after survey that tells me how much you're enjoying seeing things being fixed up and repaired. I'll tell you a little secret. There's a reason there's no chairs in the fellowship hall right now. One, we had taken these doors up, put a big seating over there. We were ready for an overflow crowd, I'll, I'll tell you that. But we didn't put the chairs back so that you can see that carpet. When it's covered with tables and chairs, you don't notice it, but it's stained. It's been well used. And any of those of you who have served food on Wednesday night know why. I've heard about taco night and spaghetti and all those kind of things. And uh, it's a wonderful problem, but uh, it's on this pastor's heart that one of our next projects be replacing that floor uh, for better cleaning, but also for the appearance. When someone comes in, you have just a short time for them to see and what it says when a place is in good repair is it is a testimony to how we feel about God. If we let everything fall to shambles, if we don't take care of what he's given us, we're saying he's not very important to us. And what God wants and God, how God looks to others is not important to us. There's a balance to everything. We can't go crazy. We are stewards. We have a budget, but we can do more. And we've done all the work on the building, and it's depleted a lot of resources. Uh, as in, you're, you're maybe some aware of the total cost. We're happy to do it. Happy to happy to be dry. Some were recently with me in the basement, and as we were down there, you don't smell mold and mildew anymore it's dried out but there's more to do and so we need you to join with us in the work and in the giving towards that work and then the last thing i've got down is we need to focus on men i so admire the moms who bring us to church who have us there. But there's study after study of the role of a man in a child's life. One of the best ways for a young girl to have a good, a better, good dating relationship later on and to find a good husband is to have a dad that teaches her the right way to treat women, that teaches her women are to be valued then she won't belittle herself or debase herself to someone less likely and be more stable. And it's wonderful to hear the children in church. It's wonderful to see them. 
But if we could get the men, we can get the family. Got a little video my family and I put together for you. See if it rings true for any of you ladies. See if you know what they're talking about. Come on, play. mom bless her hearts trying 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 the kids don't respond dad just kind of mutters come on kids sometimes it doesn't work that way but men have such a strong role and if men are in the church bringing their kids to church bringing their family to church and the and the children see dad worshiping god see dad involved it becomes very strong. And that's not to take away, again, from our mothers. Our, our mothers are wonderful, certainly. And we praise them. But if we can touch the men in our church and get them coming faithfully and teaching, learning about God themselves and teaching God at home, we can truly see a change. I, I've issued some challenge. I've encouraged our, our deacons to make that a goal. And I've set some other goals for 2022 that I want to share with you. One of my goals is to consistently be running 100 in church by the end of the year. Now, we were running about 50 before weather hit in. And so it's talking about doubling that. We can do that. Another thing is to increase general offerings by 50%. But to do that, we need every member involved. It's easy math to know that one person can only reach so many people. Or even six deacons and the pastor can only reach. But if we can get everybody engaged and sharing their faith and talking about God, we can see people 
coming to church, coming to know God. It's not an overnight thing. I was at a church one time sharing about the need, another church, not one I pastored, about their numbers were declining. We need to get busy. And my heart was broken when the pastor came back to me and said, well, Wes, I don't think we're going to be closing our door within a year. Now, just, I'm not talking about a year. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to develop relationships and to grow. And so we need to be reaching out. I was sharing someone uh, Wednesday, some of the ladies, about losing weight, a phrase that I don't like. And that phrase is, you didn't put it on overnight. You're not going to take it off overnight. And that's very true. It takes time. And so we want to get started, take advantage of these cool days to plan and prepare. And one of the ways we're doing that is live streaming. We're going out now, and more and more people are telling me they're seeing the program and they're trying to watch it. We need to do that better and better and reach out. It's a way for people to connect and to hear the word. And so we have, one thing QQ has done for me, has been asking people to be involved to help learn how to do that. Drew and uh, Alexa have been taking care of the soundboard for years and faithfully each week. But we need others to help do that in case of sickness, in case of vacation, other things, and just in order to expand that ministry. So that's one way that others can get involved and we can increase the message out is through the live streaming. Another activity that I want us to look into is to buy an address list of our residents and put together packets, maybe 10 at a time, and ask some of you to take those home and we'll give you a, a note to copy to handwrite an invitation to them, inviting them to church. This is something some of you who can't physically get out and go visiting can do. You can, in your own home, in your warmth, you could write letters telling people about the church, about God, and invite them. It's a way for every member to get involved and be a part of what's happening here. And then finally, one of the prayers on my heart, one of the things we really need is some small group leaders. We need somebody, we have some for the children ready to teach, but we need somebody with a heart for some younger couples that are here, prepared, ready to do that, so that when they come, we have a place for them. And it starts not with, and we got to get out of a mindset here of saying, come to Sunday school as the first thing. Not that Sunday school's bad, but they're just not going to do it. And men particularly aren't interested. I've talked with some of the men connected, and they've, they've told me, I'm not one to sit in a Bible class, but you've got a job, I'll come up here and help you work on it. And so we develop relationships, and we have things like, our fellowship this uh, on Valentine's or other things or work projects. Men want to work. We like doing things. So let's invite them to come work alongside of us on projects. All that time we're getting to know them. They're getting to know us. We're talking. 
and we're able to share about Jesus Christ. My dad was a bivocational pastor and his bivocation was repairing televisions. And dad, I remember in a sermon one time shared that there were homes that would never let him cross the threshold as a pastor. They were not gonna let him come in and talk to them about God. But when their TV broke down, they welcomed him with open arms. He could be behind there working on it and say whatever he wanted to, as long as he fixed their TV. But it was meeting them where they're at and taking advantage of an opportunity to speak to them. So we want to develop relationships, but to do that, we have to be here to meet and greet them. We have to be able to say, come on and we'll have some coffee. Maybe, maybe a small group study is not going down the hall initially and sitting and trying to open a Bible, but being in here with coffee set up just to sit around and get to know Frank or Bob or whoever it is. Develop that relationship, and then as that grows, we talk to them about God or a small group studies. It's going to take that different paradigm that I've talked about for us to reach because our culture changes. The Word of God doesn't. And Jesus was a master at reaching people where they were. And that's our task. And we're going to have to do that differently than we did in 1950 or 60. Social media is not important to some of you, but it's how other people live by. And so if we're going to reach them, we have to do some of those. There's a phrase we use often, person reaps what they sow. And we often use that in the context of somebody who deserves the punishment they get for their crime. Well, they're just reaping what they sow. Or they made their bed, they got a lie in it. But that reaping what you sow also works the other way. If you sow little seed, those of you farmers have a garden, if you put just a little bit of seed out, you're going to get a little bit of produce. You put out a bigger field, more seed, and you care for that, you're going to get bigger returns. We as a church, if we sow that seed in multitude, all of us casting seed, casting the word of God, it's going to get a greater return. One, just sheer numbers, we're talking to more people, but the other more intrinsic idea is God is going to bless activities that honor him. So we need to sow more seed. And there is no upside to being hesitant, cynical, skeptical, or stubborn. All that's going to do is keep things small, keep things on the decline. Try something. You know, the seven deadliest words of the church, we've never done it that way before. Well, duh. Reach out. Take that step of faith. I'm scared to talk to somebody. We all are. We all were. But say something. It gets easier, I promise you. The benefit is the growth and health of our church. The benefit is our community engaged in worshiping God. The benefit is our Lord saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant, when he calls us home. And you know what? You don't need to say, well, Wes, I'll pray about it. You don't need to take time God, would you have me share faith with other people? God, would you want me to talk to this my neighbor about 
knowing you? Jesus Christ came over 2,000 years ago and he told us, go ye therefore unto all nations, baptizing them, discipling them in the name of Father and the Son, discipling them, teaching them. He said in Acts chapter 8, go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we need to go here in Campbellsburg, Henry County, Kentucky, and the nation telling about God. You don't need to ask. He's already said it. He's waiting on us. We're not waiting on him. He wants us. So as we start this week with the children and teaching them, we can take that job seriously and understand the opportunity we have to impact families for God as we'll tell them about him. And as nice as it is for me to turn on Facebook and see one of you share a Bible verse, I'm sorry, it really isn't that effective. We need to speak it, give a personal testimony. So don't ask God, should we reach our community for Christ? Rather pray, God, what would you have me do? And I'm going to lead in providing some ways that everyone can be involved and telling our community about Christ. Let's stand. Have a word of prayer and then we'll sing our song. Dear precious Heavenly Father, serious sermon for a serious topic. Lord, each one of us can watch the news, read our paper, see what goes on in our community and shake our heads. Wasn't like this when I was growing up. People don't have any respect for the law. They don't have a respect for God. The needs out there, Lord. We also have people that are hurting, homes that are divided and split, lives that have been damaged from betrayal and pain. Father, every one of us need a friend to come alongside, listen and support. But then, Father, every one of us needs to hear that we have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, that Jesus loves us no matter what we've done, no matter our circumstances, and he's waiting to receive us. And Lord, it can seem kind of foolish, but you've given us the job to do that. You're counting on us. Father, we can serve you. And I pray that as a church, we would stand and say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and we will be busy telling other people about Jesus Christ in some way or fashion. Father, this is the will of Jesus Christ and it's in his name that we're praying and lifting it up to you. Amen.